Welcome to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. We interview great guests who inspire you to overcome obstacles and achieve your goals. Be sure you visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, just relax as you listen. You can do something else, but be ready to make an important note. And let's get started. The title of this interview is The Online Coaching Industry. And my guest is Michael Seely. We'll be talking about how the online coaching industry is booming, and there is a demand for hyper-niche skills and knowledge. We'll also be getting into mental health, anxiety management for business owners, and psychotherapy and coaching in general. So let me tell you a little bit about Michael. He is a licensed psychotherapist with online practices in Florida, Wisconsin, and California. He is the founder of Men's Therapy Directory, a website dedicated to men's mental health. Michael is also for a former competitive cyclist cyclist <laughs> got that right during his cycling career he won two state titles and twice went to the olympic trials so this guy knows how to pedal in addition to his counseling practice michael provides elite mindset coaching to athletes and we'll be getting into all of that stuff welcome michael a pleasure to meet you hey tony thanks for having me on your show not at all i love i love how and it's gonna be my first question how you you're, you're both a coach and a psychotherapist. And just at the outset, you know, I, I, psychology is my favorite subject. You know, why do we do what we do or not do what we don't? It's just fascinating. And, you know, I can, I can talk about it infinitely. Uh, but I, when I first got into personal development 30 years ago, you know, uh, psychology obviously is a big part of that. You know, over the, since that time, I, Every now and then, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to school and become a psychologist, you know, and maybe a therapist, a counselor, whatever, you know, get a degree. But of course, that takes a lot of work and time. And I always procrastinate on it. And then finally, uh, about five years ago, well, I started working on Proficio, which is this virtual coaching program, which is going to transform self-help and personal development. So I said, so that thought came up. Okay, do I want to become a, a, you know, a psychologist? I say, I have to come to a conclusion with this reoccurring thought i was like okay no i'm gonna be an entrepreneur stay an entrepreneur because i really believe my program proficio is gonna is gonna be a psychological boom it can help so many people and i'm putting this thought to rest even though i have such great respect for the field of psychology i will not be becoming a psychologist even though i like what tony robbins says and it's true that coaches by activity are practical psychologists well of course we didn't go to school like michael did <laughs> now let me ask you michael describe the marriage between psychotherapy of, of course you're a psychotherapist and coaching mm, that's an interesting way to put it the marriage between them I, marriage I kinda... or discernment which yeah are... well well, it makes me think about, uh, you know, in a marriage where there's two, there's, there's partners and they're each their own separate person, but they have a lot of, uh, a lot of things in common. They like yes. to like hang around together. So yeah, <laughs> that's a great, that, I mean, that was the best way I've ever heard it put. Well done, sir. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
that's that's the the trick, right? So what's the difference? When does somebody you know need psychotherapy and when do they need coaching? I'll give you an example. So in my practice, I work with a lot of athletes, and we're talking about like hyper niche, right? So I've found just over the, the years from my from my background in bicycle racing uh, that a lot of athletes just they check on my website and they want to work with me and they have like an athletic background. So I'll get like some really serious athletes, some weekend warriors, etc. And they'll say, hey, I really want to, you know, I've been in a slump. Um, I'm feeling, I'm feeling down. It's really affecting my athletic performance. At that point, I want to know whether psychotherapy is best for them or they're, they're doing basically okay. And they are just a little bit of a slump and they want to improve their athletic performance. I think that's really important to discern like what they need in that moment. So in in layman's terms, if you think they have a deeper issue, perhaps you might say psychotherapy is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Like for sure, right off the bat, like if there's any substance abuse problems, I have a problem with that. I'm not going to do coaching with them because they need to take care of that first. So I may even refer them like on the initial phone call with them and talk on the phone the first time. I like, hey, I know this great guy in San Francisco because I've lived there for quite a while you know, for calling me from California or whatever, I'll say, Hey, I know this great guy. He's a substance abuse counselor. It'll, you'll, you know, help you get clean and sober. So if they have a problem with drugs or alcohol, I'm not going to work with them period. Not even with psychotherapy. I want to get that taken care of first. So I think it's really important to kind of vet the client of what's the best service for them. And it might not be your service, right? It could be maybe have an athlete saying, Hey, my performance is really, really off. And they'll ask, kind of do a quick assessment of what's going on in all domains of their life. They say, hey, any relational conflicts going on right now? They go, yeah, well, I'm going through a divorce. Like, well, that might affect your athletic performance. I think we need to work on that issue. Here's a couples counselor I can refer you to. Or if you just want to talk with me, we'll work through some of that stuff first before you can even think about improving your athletic game. Because I know that if you're stressed out about your divorce, you're not going to be on your game no matter what, right? So uh, that's the, you know, the difference between coaching and psychotherapy is asking enough questions from the get-go to know if that client is right for coaching, if you're a coach, if they're right for psychotherapy and your psychotherapist, or if you need to refer out to a specialist and do that client the best service that you can. So well, that's an excellent answer. Thank yeah. you. And let me compliment the the part about addiction. You know, I'm a, as I said, committed to personal development. Uh, I was a life coach, uh, and uh, now I'm the head of a technological coaching company. Uh, and I'm, so I'm a, I'm a certified coach, certified NLP practitioner, uh, and uh, I love philosophy. I embrace philosophies uh, and psychology, as I mentioned, all this stuff. The most, you know, and uh, and I'm committed to personal excellence. The most profound, that all said, the most profound thing I ever did was to get clean and sober. I've been sober now 22 years. Uh, people who knew me then hardly recognized me today. People who know me today wouldn't recognize me back then. It is, it is a, a, drugs, including society's favorite drug, alcohol. You know, we all, we, you know, we all think we live in reality when we all just live in our perception of reality. But, you know, no matter who you are, you know, and the most enlightened people have, we all have a, this veil between us and reality. And the more enlightened you are, the thinner this, the veil is. Addiction, I mean, to me, you get really enlightened. Maybe you see it exactly as it is, like, you know, in the Matrix. I don't know. Uh, I'll If I get there, I'll let you know. Um, okay. 
But when any drug just thickens that veil, thickens it. And so you just thicken and thicken the veil. And, and, you know, when I was, you know, right now I, I, you know, I am, I don't work one-on-one -on -one with people anymore, but I am, I just made, made an exception very recently. My nephew who has, who has addiction, who is addicted. Well, I'm going to help, help my nephew. Right. So I'm working with them. And, uh, and I, I tell him, you know, I, I'm working, working with him as a mentor because, uh, well, the relationship, it can be obviously it can become an issue, uh, you know, uh, and I, I don't really coach, but even though I do coach him, uh, but it's mainly as a, reco a recovery mentor. And the thing I tell him, as you just said, I'm going to say, I'm going to paraphrase is that unless you get clean, you're just, you're just running on a treadmill. You're going to go nowhere, either slow or fast, but that's where you're going to get is nowhere. <laughs> agreed. Absolutely agreed. Yeah. It's just um, being really truthful with yourself. And by the way, that, that long clean and sober, that is, that is impressive. Um, it's, you know, I was, it makes me think I was just recently on vacation visiting an old high school friend of mine who's been clean and sober for quite a while and um, just hanging out with him and knowing he just says he feels just so much better just day after day after day. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's impressive. I'm the people that can, that can do that for so long. So, so you, you know, you. I, I used to go to AA and NA and I have a lot of great things to say about them though. I, I will caution people. They have pitfalls and minefields, you know, yeah. uh, to be uh, to look out for, but I, you know, and I, and, but one of the things is it's a profound saying I heard from the, heard from this one guy in this one AA meeting many years ago he said and, and it's like a cliche or it's he certainly wasn't the originator of it. he says alcohol gave me wings to fly but took away the sky and mm. that is that was i thought was poignant and you know wow. it's, it's such it, you know it, it's it's putting a, a band-aid on a on a gush on a on a, on a gushing wound it, it's it is such a myopic solution uh, of course, you know, telling a, an alcoholic an addict this is like almost go to go through, you know, in one ear out the other, uh, you know. And I, I tell like my nephew, you know, he's he's, do, he's doing my program, some of it, and I and I explain to him. I, I tell him just just said to him just the other day. I said, I'm not gonna say his name. You're gonna relapse, and and he was kind of shocked to hear hear me say that. I said, you're gonna relapse. Uh, you got to understand this is, you know, in psychology, we call this a maladaptation. That's what addiction is, a maladaptation. And the problem I already established, the problem is you, not you, the person, you're a good person, but what goes on between your ears is the problem, right? Uh, all human problems, well, 99% of them are just between our ears, right? Uh, but with, a, with addicts, with alcoholics, it's the thinking that allowed them to become that way. Uh, and, and absolutely is the thinking that kept them that way, because there are all sorts of ways out. Like I mentioned, AANA, psychotherapists, people like you, whomever. There's, there's so many different ways you can get out of this, this, you know, this uh, circle of this vicious circle. And you, and you, and you, you, you know, you alluded to my own experience. You know, I, I, I'm affected just think, thinking about it because it was, it was such a, it was such a sentence. It was it, it was it's a vicious circle where at some at various points you're desperate, desperate for a corner where you can get a respite, you can get some relief, but there is no corner. It does not exist in that circle. 
And I, I literally, there were times I felt like smoke was coming out of my ears with my obsessive thoughts. And I, it was, I was so, so desperate for something. I, I was, I was suicidal for a point of my, I put a gun to my head. Um, and you know, it was, uh, and, the, and there is a way out and the way out is to continue with the metaphor of the circle is to step out of the circle, but that's the only way out. Otherwise you're going to be in that circle for till the day you die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the vicious circle is, is what it is. And, you know, this, this friend of mine from high school got sober, was telling me about that. Um, I know, especially with, with substances, because it is physically addictive as well. It's like you're, you're not just fighting the mental battle, but then you got the physiological addiction as well. Um, you know, in, in my work with people who are wanting to create a change from whatever their own personal vicious cycle is, um, I don't specialize in addiction. I always refer out to, to experts on that. Oh. But it makes, makes me think of this, this vicious cycle of someone who's trying to make a change in their life, right? And it's this, this repetition of a bad habit or something that brings you temporary relief, right? From generally from anxiety or from your feelings, right? That you don't, that it's not okay to feel this way in the moment. And you think it's going to last forever. And we all know our, our feelings change, but in the moment it's, it's suffering, right? So we want to use something to change that. That's kind of what we're told by society and our peer group and all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, so, in, you know, my work with, uh, with athletes and, and just doing general psychotherapy, there is always that vicious cycle, right? So what is it that you're doing that is maladaptive, like you said, that brings you some sort of a relief or distraction and that you then you feel shame about it, right? And the shame makes you want to engage in relief again. And like you said, goes around and around. And the only way to get out of it is to step out of it, right? So like psychotherapy is one way to step out of it. Getting an AA or a different peer group is another way to step out of it. Um, taking up a sport, something that uh, breaks the routine is another way to step out of that circle, right? So there's a lot of ways going on a vacation, taking a trip. There's a lot of things you can do. Um, so I, I like the way you described that, the vicious circle. It's so common for all of us. Thank you. To back up on, on the uh, uh, psychotherapy and coaching discussion, yeah. uh, I've often described uh coaching as uh, we're moving towards the future and or with a focus on the future and 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 therapy more towards the past and so some reconciliation with it would you say that's accurate i said that's definitely very accurate i also like to to say that psychotherapy is about repair and healing and coaching is about is about growth yes and certainly there's there's growth if you do repair in psychotherapy, but that's that's general things. Yeah, future-oriented coaching, growth-oriented coaching, psychotherapy, repair work, focus on things that happened that were traumas, that were um, things in your life that, that got you off track then. So yeah, repair and growth. Great. And what better can a person ask for that you know that wants to, you know, uh wants help than to come to someone who's both who is both like yourself so they get, you know and when on out when i was a coach if someone had a diagnosis i i, I would i could i would work I, I might work with them but never on the diagnosis because that's that's legal taboo uh, <laughs> uh but uh, uh let's we'll consider that topic closed <laughs> and move on but i want i want i want to uh, also just uh compliment uh, or come to a, a conclusion if you will on the uh, addiction recovery, you talked about feelings. Again, with my with my nephew, or, or even when I was 
working with sponsees and AANA, I, I learned early on that the most, the greatest skill that I had to master as a recovering addict was the ability to feel my feelings because boy, I, I hated those babies. I hated them and, and, and drinking or using any other drug uh, was, was just a way not to feel my feelings. My favorite feeling was numb. That was my favorite feeling. And so um, what I did, you know, and I, and I just went through the, the hard work of it, if you will, in my early recovery. But then I, I let, later learned about something from, from the, uh, the Sedona Institute, Institute, which is out in Arizona, some personal development institute there. And I, and I codified their method into a, a simple three-part method to, to uh, an exercise to feel your feelings. IWA, I call it. IWA, identify, willingness, acceptance. What am I feeling? Name the feeling. Not good or bad. That's the worst thing. What's the name of the feeling? Uh, find it in your body if you can. Uh, and then you ask yourself the question, am, am I willing to feel this feel this feeling? And if you're not, stay close to that, co to that coping, that AANA or whatever your support group is, because you're going to need it because you're, you're, you're liable to act out on that. And if you're willing, great, you can go on to the next one, which is the final one, acceptance. Is it okay to feel this feeling? And then you, if, you, if you're not, same thing as before, stay close to your support group. If not, just go ahead and feel it. And then 90% of the times, at time, it'll change it to something else because that's how we're designed. That's how it works. And, and, and it works for everybody. You know, maybe even if the feeling is persistent, okay, they can be persistent, but they always change. And the more we feel them, the more they change, the more we suppress them, the more they stay, of course, <laughs> even if we're, even if we're, we're numb at the time from uh, imbibing or whatever. Isn't that, isn't that interesting though? It's like in the moment, it feels like the anxiety or the depression or whatever the feeling is, right. is going to last forever. Yeah. Right. And so the conundrum is like, well, if I fight it and I shove it aside, it's it's going to last longer. It's going to come back. It, and on the counterpoint, if, if I accept it or you don't you don't accept your situation, but you accept the feeling. Right. right, right. Oh, how interesting. I'm feeling really nervous or I'm feeling really bummed out about something right now. And if you fool, if you're willing to fully just sit in that for a while, like it'll cycle through. It'll just say the energy will sort of just cycle itself through. Absolutely. And it may last for a while, maybe last for a couple of days or whatever. But like, yeah, like you're saying, if you just accept that, oh, this is what I'm feeling right now, then it kind of cycles through and dissipates. And then, yeah, naturally, you're going to move on to a, a different feeling. But if you fight it and then then what you're doing is you're not allowing it to uh, complete the, the circle or the cycle. Right, right, the cycle, yes. Yeah, and if you use, especially if you use a substance or if you're using any kind of, uh, I'll call it like watching Netflix, I would call that almost a drug too, right? Or using food or using just avoidance of a discussion with somebody, right. all these things to, to not feel that difficult feeling makes it perpetuate. So, so interesting. Yeah, and, and uh, obsession I found is the non-drug way to not feel my feelings. So if uh -huh. you're obsessed on anything, you know, outside of addiction or perhaps addiction that we haven't called it that yet, that's just a non-drug way. And you do the same thing. Okay, great stuff. This has been a great conversation. We're going to continue. We're going to hear a moment. We're going to take a moment to hear from our sponsor and come right back with the fascinating Michael Seely. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. People start something, then something comes up or they need a break or even a vacation. And they often never get back on track. 
Perficio is designed to allow all of this. Visit www.perficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where you can live your life as you learn and make progress toward your life-changing goals. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petrozo. We're having a great discussion with Michael Steely, psychotherapist and coach. And I'm going to get on to my next question now. Uh, how did you get into psychology and coaching? It's two-parter. Yeah. So I think the seed was planted when I was 15 years old. Uh, my, my parents were getting divorced and they sent me to a therapist. And I was very reluctant at first, like, hey, I don't, I don't need any therapy. And fortunately, my, my therapist, his name was Gary, was, was fantastic. Just a real down-to-earth guy, no BS, uh, just totally resonated with him. And I saw him for about a year. And at that time, I was just starting to get really good at bicycle racing. And he actually helped me toward the end of our therapy with bicycle racing and tied it into kind of the work that we did together. So again, we were talking about earlier that repair work, right? In the psychotherapy, then you heal, then you're ready to move on to growth. Toward the end of our, our therapy, he was more on the growth and, and just, actually, I, I thank him for my success in bike racing. I'm going to give him a lot of credit. And I'll, I'll tell you a quick little at, story at 15, at, from that intervention at 15. Yep. Yep. So I saw from age 15 to 16. And when I, you know, fully accepted and acknowledged my parents had split and was dealing with, you know, dealt with all that kind of stuff. Um, I was starting to get good at racing. And I remember going to a therapy session with him and I wanted to kind of brag. I was like, Hey, you know, I got like eighth place in this big race and and I was hoping that he was going to be really excited. And he just sort of mockingly claps his hands. <laughs> he, he was a character. He used a lot of interventions that kind of threw you off, which I can be very effective. To kind I of love shake. that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was with, with a big heart too, right? He wasn't doing it for no reason. And so he's clapping his hands. He's like, bravo. And I was just like, what do you mean? I got a little mad at him. He goes, why didn't you try and why didn't you win? Right. And I was like, well, I don't know. And he goes, you're so much better than eighth place. And, he's, and he also said, you're playing it safe. And I'm like, what? Whoa, what do you mean? It's like, you're playing Fighting. it safe, right? Bam, exactly, right? <laughs> and because I'd been getting like, you know, eighth, ninth place, fourth, fifth, and I wasn't winning anything, and he knew I was ready for that type of push. I'd healed. I was ready for growth. He knew me well enough. And he pushed me. And he said, he leaned in. He was this old school dude. He goes, I never want you to play it safe in a bike race ever again. And like stern, right? I was like, whoa, dude. And, uh, and it was the, the perfect intervention again, because he really knew me. And it was the right thing to say. And after that session, I just my results went up skyrocketed he, and he um, the right thing to you that was it you know and that uh that planted the seed i i pursued bike racing pretty seriously until i was about 24 went to college late and i think in the back of my mind i just was really convinced how powerful and effective psychotherapy was and and that kind of coaching as well and so, but i you know i wanted to be a bike racer and um i actually got into um really into literature and languages. And I became a high school Spanish teacher for a while. 
then I got into like linguistic technology. This is working in the San Francisco Bay Area. I, and man, I, I'm fascinated by linguistic, by language. Oh, it's yeah, it's very interesting it's stuff. Beautiful. Yeah. What were you doing out there as a ling as a linguist in San Francisco? Yeah. So um, at the time, I was working on some early speech recognition kind of stuff. I was also doing um, some stuff with uh, working with catalog, sort of cataloging large amounts of data into different categories. So it was like the categorization of topics, which is really interesting. Um, but in the end, Tony, you know, there, there was something missing. It was a lot of kind of busy work. I liked the concepts of it, but I was like, I need something else in my life. This is not doing it. Like the bike racing for me was passionate, just lit me up. It wasn't a job. I was like, I want to, I want to do something different. And then there was a, um, a psychologist that came into this company I was working for, an organizational psychologist who worked on team building. Okay. And to be honest, it was a, I thought he did a, a really bad job. <laughs> like it was very awkward. It kind of separated things and we did all this testing. But it, what happened is sort of illuminated this, this group dynamic and, and really um, brought, piqued my interest in psychology again. So much so that I started reading books and, and interviewing people about what it's like to be maybe a social worker, a psychologist, et cetera. I interviewed like 20 people and with the intention of like going to grad school. So I quit my job and I went to grad school and got a degree in counseling psychology and never looked back. It just, it's, it's, I love it. It just lights me up. It's, it's um, so great. It's so, I mean, it's like, it's a, it's a general human quality to want to help others. But when you're an expert in it, like you and my, and me, and you, know, and, and you can really get into some deep stuff, persistent stuff and, and get strides and even solutions and help people go from dysfunctional to functional. It's it, I'm sm I got a smile from ear to ear. And I remember when I first began, and you know, like I said, I'm a practitioner of neuro linguistic programming, which I've loved for a long time. And so I would use techniques that I, I was unfamiliar with, but I figured was applicable to the scenario. And I and and I and we'll get into it. I did all my coaching on 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 the phone, was never in person. So that's obviously you know like online. But so you got to be very keen when you're listening, obviously. But I would use this technique, and, and it would it would be incredibly effective. And I would say, "Shit, this this stuff really works," <laughs> you know. And, and you know, it'd be like, "How's that problem?" And they'd be like, "What problem?" I'm like, "You know, the thing you were crying about for ten minutes, ten minutes ago. Oh, that doesn't bother me anymore." I I was like, "I love it," you know, and stuff like that. Oh, it's great. And you know, and I I have something I want to get into. He talked about you know all this being a psychologist and the effect of a psychologist on you and these impressions uh, and you'll tell me since you're you're the professional psychotherapist but i i uh, you know, i used to uh bring up at the va i used to bring up a narcotics anonymous meeting to to their to their psych ward you know, regularly i did that for years and i was very friendly with the head psychologist there and she knew me quite well because i did it for so long and she's and i, I had i had a breakup you know, and I had, I had a broken heart. She saw that I was really down, and she and she said, "You know, you want you want to talk?" You know, I said, "Okay," because I never had any therapy. So I saw her for just about three sessions, and she said something to me that I I mentioned, saying the right thing, the right person. But I think what 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 when you have a high trust for someone, that's the thing that really can let let it in. You might have heard the same thing previously, but you didn't have that trust, and so you didn't let it in. 
she, I had a high trust for her. She said to me, I, to, I talked about the pain in my heart. She said, I said, what about this pain in my heart? She said, Tony, you just got to make room for it. And I'll never forget it. It was so poignant and so true. And it, and, and it helped me greatly. And I still remember it to this day. I just had to make room for it. I can't suppress it. You and I went over this already. Uh, if I feel it and, and I, you know, I know what happened. I really, you know, wanted the girl and now she's gone. And, um, but that high level of trust, you know, you, it's critical for, for us, people, you know, in the change work profession to have that with a client. Uh, but uh, when you do, you can really help get to the part where the root is, you know, and, and make some significant changes. Uh, and what do you think about that, Michael? Yeah, I mean, that is really the basis of psychotherapy, coaching, mentorship, um, is that that relationship you have with mentor, mentee, um, client, therapist, or whatever the, the roles are is yeah is that trust because we're social creatures and to be th that that statement you know make room in your heart for for the pain like that's something where intuitively she she said that right so that was like so we call in the clinical sense an intervention during therapy right it's like but what it was was her tuning in to your heart i think I just yes. being able to to feel your pain and notice it and and you guys were connecting obviously and for her to say something like that um just shows that that first of all she got great skills and second of all she was the two of you had had a good match and I think that's really important in therapy and in my in my practice uh, therapy and coaching there are clients that will do amazing work together just it's like it's not even trying you know, it's just like, it's a really good match. And sometimes the match is a little off. And if it's really off, you know, I'll, I'll be honest and maybe refer him to a colleague or something. Uh, but, but that's it. It's just like that, that trust, that just a natural feeling. Things just go so much quicker that way. I want to uh, back up to something when you were talking about working ling with uh, linguistics uh, back in Frisco. Uh, yeah, I know all us non-Californians call it Frisco. I, I know. I everyone in California is dread to hear it. <laughs> and I, I lived in Los Angeles. So I'm like, how do I get to Sepulveda Boulevard? You know, in uh, LA, like, what? That's so Palmetal. Like, what are you from <laughs> New York or something? Right. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, half of California originally was from New York, you know, but that's long ago. Um, so. Uh, you know, my program, Proficio, which is going to transform self-help. Uh, it's qua it's quasi or pseudo AI artificial intelligence where I just use linguistics to to uh, leverage these uh, these users to be motivated to take action uh, and it acts as if it's AI but it's not and um, my partner who's the tech director I don't know I can hardly put I hardly can put a computer on uh, <laughs> and uh, he and when we can uh, as we progress in our as we grow the company and the app, he wants to get into NLP, not like me, NLP, neural linguistic programming, NLP, natural language uh, processing, yeah. and get into this AI where actually people speaking will be processed by this artificial intelligence and, and it, it will actually can can make a decision that's programmed into it to you know, which was awesome. I mean, I, I have a program, but it's, it does exactly what I told it to do. But when, when when you can have a program 
you know, make a decision using different options, uh, you know, you know, with sovereignty, man, that's going to be awesome stuff. Using language, using language. That's the, that's the key thing. That's, that's fascinating stuff. That is very fascinating. Just the possibilities there. And, you know, having studied some, some linguistics and working in a job where I was uh, a lot of like PhD linguistics folks, it honestly, like the, the, it's exciting what you're, what you're telling me. And then also, you know, if we, there's people talking about, you know, psychotherapy with, you know, AI, like there's actually people trying to build businesses like this. And I think that will, that will never, ever happen effectively, in my opinion, just because of how complex human language is and tone and, yes. you know, the therapist knowing this uh, client says one thing, then there's a body language or a tell like, right. uh -uh, you're lying. Right. You know, like it's so, it's so subtle and so complex. I don't think there's ever going to be any kind of programming or AI that's, that's going to be as effective as, as the human ear and the human heart and in interpreting language. Well, you know what? I, I really, I agree with you. Yeah. However, Okay, let's say that humans are the best at it, or or perhaps the only option. I have my app Propicio is is an option, not as good as a human, but still supplying something that is desperately needed. Now, it is not psychotherapy, it is not life coaching. I've created a whole new kind of true coaching called self help coaching. Now, that term has been around for a long time, but it's always been a misnomer because if you work with somebody, by definition, it's not self help anymore. That's personal development. You got to be by yourself for it to be self-help. Right. So uh, I've created a program that's on a computer or a smartphone. So technically, you're still by yourself. It's a program that I made as, a, as an NLP practitioner, as a coach, designed to get a person to, well, it, it solves the this four, pro, this four pervasive problems with self-help. I love self-help. All of them, you know, going back to Ben Franklin and even preceding him to Tony Robbins and all the countless self-help authors are out there. Problem is mostly potential. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. Oh, yeah, I'm going to achieve this. I tell you, if self-help worked, I would have been a millionaire 20 years ago. <laughs> Why aren't I? Because um, we need a little bit more. Our pervasive patterns are pervasive. <laughs> That's the problem. So we need a little bit more. And there's nothing as good as Michael Seeley, but there are things that approach uh, the excellence, the value that you offer. And that's what I did with Proficio. So Michael Seeley is expensive relatively, especially if I'm going to have you on retainer uh, 365. You're very expensive, but an app, much more affordable, much more pragmatic. And my app, and the problem is, you know, people don't fail until they terminally quit. And NLP, we like, we like to say that there is no failure. There's only feedback. And I agree. But when you quit terminally, that's it. You're out of the game. If you're not going to, if you don't come back to it, maybe it's only a retrospective. Uh, but that's it. You're in it until you quit. My app doesn't let a person quit. <laughs> All right. And it's very, it has to be intuitive because it can't be rah, rah. And that crap won't work. Uh, it's got your person as an, as an individual. And that's what my app does. It's, it's customized to the individual, just like you're, you're, you're a real person and you have a, a mind and you're an expert. So, you know, you, I have no doubt that, you know, you take in the a whole person as opposed to, you know, Oh, uh, my Myers Briggs profile for this guy is MBTI, and that's the way. That's it, <laughs> you know. But I'm gonna get into that profiling stuff. But that was 
superfluous at this point. But I love yeah. all of it. I love the real people like you and I, and I love the promise of technology. I mean, indeed, this interview right now, but I mean, my almost my entire audience listens to this podcast. But but Michael and I are seeing each other through the app called Zoom, and it's wonderful. And he's out. He's down in Florida. I'm up here in Brooklyn, and we're having this wonderful interaction and connection, and and that's just the the, the scratching the surface of what technology offers us. Yeah, you know, I I think definitely something like Proficio is is super helpful. You know, and and self speaking of self help books, like I have I have one book on my my shelf right now that I still haven't read all the way to the end, and it's a classic. It's um Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Oh, COVID. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah. that's amazing, amazing book. But there's for some reason, maybe I'm resistant or something. There's the like the fine the final last half of the chapter. Like I've never quite gotten through it. Um yeah. but with the, maybe with your app, there's this accountability thing, right? So that if like you're saying it won't let you quit and you have to complete it, that is that's what's missing um even from from psychotherapy as well. Like I always give my clients um homework between sessions, whether it's psychotherapy or coaching. Always, almost always, so that there is this accountability. They're like, "Oh, if I didn't do it, I'm going to feel embarrassed, right? Right, to tell Michael I didn't do it." But that's and a double-edged it... sword, Michael. <laughs> right. Okay. I think I, I contend that most people are not interested in self-help because, for a number of reasons, primarily fear of failure. Why should I do the self-help thing if I'm going to fail anyway? Okay, so they 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 feel they fear that. Even less people are interested in coaching. Uh, maybe not so much psychotherapy or therapy, but coaching because they have that accountability or that perceived accountability, all right, which is more important, which yeah. is more the more the, the the important in terms of dealing with prospective clients, right. and and yes, that is that 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 is is there. But you know, when I was coaching one on one, I would tell clients, listen, either you're going to do the work or you're not. Uh, I witness it, but I'm not going to force you to do anything. <laughs> uh, but the beauty of, of Proficio is it eliminates that perceived accountability, which is a very resist, which is a great resistance people have because they're not dealing with a human. They're not dealing with Tony Petros or Michael Steely. They're dealing with an app on a phone. Now, I did bring in that accountability because it also brings in the group intera interaction space because Proficio coaches a course. That, that it's it's a it's a coach that lives on the e-learning platform any self-help course can be on there tony robbins personal power whatever uh you know and my goal is to have the greatest collection of self-help in the world in our catalog anyway but the fear of that accountability or that judgment right uh that a human might give which which would be they'd be the worst therapist or coach in the world if they judge their clients of course uh but nonetheless the prospect fears that uh so we but we eliminate that with proficio but we bring it in where it can be useful in the group interaction space which are nothing but the person's fellow students going through the same course either pre in the past it's all there organized present concurrently or then maybe later in the future so you know you know not if you don't mind, I think it's pretty much a genius uh, app. When it comes out, which is imminently, and then once we upgrade it to bring on all these other courses, we'll find out. We'll find out if I'm the next uh, Elon Musk, uh, uh, Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins will be coming to me. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah, I'm, def I'm looking forward to, to hearing more about it. There's, there's, there's so much 
great stuff that's happening with with apps you know just uh if if it helps people's lives that's what's important absolutely you know? and, and we're going to take a moment here for my sponsor and then we're going to come back and then we're going to talk about online coaching which we i just gave you an earful about my stuff but now michael's going to give you some of his his what his opinion on online coaching and this guy knows what he's talking about uh we'll come right back with michael steely right after this break this episode of self-help coaching is brought to you by perphysio Poor finances are the leading cause of stress, divorce, and general troubles. Financial managers, coaches, and consultants are great, but responsibility rests with you. There are new answers. Visit www.perphysio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O. Where you can truly learn the foundational attitudes and methods of accruing wealth and staying wealthy. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petrozzo. We're having a really organic and interesting conversation with the fascinating Michael Seely. And we're going to be getting, we're going to talk about online coaching. And which Michael has a lot to say about that. And I, I, Michael, including when you're, with your description about online coaching and how it's booming, I also want you to talk about some of the hyper niche skills uh, in online coaching. So what about it? Yeah. So, you know, of course we saw 2020 with everyone kind of being at home for a while and Zoom, you know, exploding and um, online psychotherapy being the only um, recourse for a lot of people, online coaching, booming them as well. It's just, I mean, it's, it's here to stay. There's uh, a lot of advantages to it. I do want to talk about, there's some, some folks I see my psychotherapy practice. I do it. It's all online, by the way. And my coaching is all online as well. And when you say online specifically, yeah. what do you mean? Um, I mean, by via video, just like, okay. just like zoom, right. I've had a couple clients who actually prefer the telephone sometimes mm. and I'm cool. I'm cool with that too. I Gentlemen. love coaching people naked. I'm just on the phone. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Oh, no one knows. Right. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, Psychotherapy, uh, there, there are certainly, there's been a couple clients where say they want to meet, they want to meet online. And I, I would say maybe not a good fit. Like for example, um, doing like couples counseling, which I don't do at all, but uh, couples counseling online via video, as opposed to in person. I don't have enough experience, honestly, to say if the in-person is better, but I tend to think that it is for couples. It may be working with um, a teenager. I think in person might be better personally. So I have some opinions about um, online services in this way being maybe Is it because teenagers, you want to smack them around a little bit? Is that why? <laughs> well, no, we don't, I don't quite that old school. No, no. Um, but uh, right, but you, you discern it. Some people say, listen, this is, this is, we get, we get better results if you came in and you have your office. Yeah, yeah. So certainly certain folks, certain issues that maybe I think uh, would be better in person, right? But generally speaking, I, I've found with my psychotherapy clients, like it's it's just as effective as this little different vibe dynamic to it. Uh, but it is very, very effective. Same with coaching. 
um, it, the convenience factor is, is huge, right? Huge, huge. And, and people who would maybe be resistant to traveling, like that, there's that barrier is just gone. Like, hey, let's meet on meet on the internet, right? Yeah, easy, easy, super easy. So it's it's helpful. It's also helpful for people in rural areas who may not be able to get to Absolutely. a coach in the city, and they live two hours outside of the city. So it's just really breaking down a lot of bar uh, barriers for people. So I think I think it's great. Um, yeah, and you know uh, the pandemic. It just hastened it. This is this was all inevitable. It, it just it just hastened it. That's all it did, you know. And I say about Propicio, people say, "Oh, this could be great for your business." I said, "My business is going to be would be a huge success with or without the pandemic." It just hastened it. But yes, it's it's. I mean, the convenience, the the benefit, just as you elaborate on, it's just awesome for everyone involved. It's great yeah. stuff. And you know, speaking of, uh, you know, your coaching, you have uh, three practices in three states. Why is that <laughs> precisely and how? Well, let's see. So uh, I grew up in Wisconsin, so I have uh, a lot of family and friends still there. So I, I was actually considering moving there um, during like 2020. And so I got licensed there uh, with, with the <coughs> plan of maybe moving there and set up a, a really nice website and <coughs> started coming to it. And I got the SEO dialed in, got everything going really strong for it. So it's, it's <coughs> It's a source um, service. Um, and California, I, yeah, I went to school there, um, lived there for like 25 years. And so a license, that was my first place I got licensed. And then as we're talking before, um, before we're live here, you know, I moved to Florida in, uh, in 2020, just left California and um, sad because, you know, left a lot of friends behind, but it's, uh, it's different out here in Florida. So got licensed here in Florida. Those are the reasons, those three states is where I spend the most time. And uh, yeah. Uh, so, and of course, each state is its own certifying body. So you have to, that that's, I imagine that's the primary reason why you have to be, you have three different practices. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So you have to be licensed in each state. Uh, Wisconsin has reciprocity with um, a number of states. And so that it was just a simply a question of taking a couple of courses, whereas Florida said you have to take the national um, marriage and family therapy exam. So I had to take that exam. California has two separate exams. It's probably one of the hardest. New York's also a very, very uh, difficult exam. So it is state by state. But, you know, interesting. But did, you ever, did you ever consider just cheating? That's what I did. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I think. Um, Maybe not. Good old crib note. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't want my license revoked. But you, know, yeah. you mentioned that, Tony, because I got an email about a month ago from uh, the Florida board where they're talking about modernizing online therapy. And so there's an actual discussion, which it looks like is probably going to happen, of states that have reciprocity with each other. So you can use your Florida license to maybe. Uh, do online in Georgia or in Louisiana, things like that. So the neighboring states are starting to talk about this. So there might be a conglomeration of states for uh, like uh, for online psychotherapy. Now with coaching, of course, you don't have to worry about that, right? Which is, is good and bad in that so coaching is not really regulated. So it gives you a lot of freedom. You might have the perfect client match. I'm in Florida or someone in Washington state, perfect match, right? And if it was psychotherapy, I couldn't work with them. Right. Where if it's if I'm doing a coaching practice, it really opens up things, gives people a lot more options. At the same time, it's not regulated. Right. So just like with any with any profession, there's like 
good plumbers, bad plumbers, good doctors, bad doctors, right? So with coaching um, for the consumer, there's not really that state board that, that puts the hammer down for you know fear of taking your license away if you're doing kind of some shady stuff. Michael, let so, me ask you. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, I'll ask you. <clears throat> Uh, and I say this semi-seriously, um, what gives you more juice, the coaching or the psychotherapy? <laughs> is, that a, is that a legit question? That's a totally legit question. You know, um, they're, they're different types of juice, like one's maybe guava and one's, <laughs> you know, one's orange. I don't know. You went tip for uh, tat on that one, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, there's something just really, really deeply satisfying about watching somebody heal and get insight and just, I mean, it, it makes me even emotional talking about it. You know, it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and whereas the, the, the coaching is more kind of higher energy, you know, yes. like let's go, you get kind of pumped up, you get your motivated. So they're, they're different, different flavors. Yes. Uh, I would say yeah. I get this, the same uh, excitement out of both of them. It's just a different vibe, you know? Yeah. You know, to me, you know, obviously I was just a coach. I was not a therapist, but some, some things are therapeutic. It, to me, the, the best was when a person went from what I call dysfunctional to functional. They had, they had some, so they wanted something and they couldn't get it. It was something pervasively in the way. And then, and I helped them get it. And that was just, that was just the greatest thing where they did. They just got that, got out of the, you know, you know, I, they, I mean, I like to simplify it by saying, coaches are just salesmen and we just convince the client that they don't have the problem that they swore they had <laughs> you know and i'm being very simplistic here yeah, but yeah. you know and, and i you know using my skills uh but i when i when i when they're when they get convinced of that finally they, that's not a problem anymore uh i don't do that anymore i haven't done that in, in two months you know you know i obviously my my period of working with a client is short. That was just the greatest thing. It was just awesome. I love it. Oh, it's so, it's so rewarding on a human level. Great. Stuff. Yeah, it really is. Well, watching that transformation because you share the same emotions they have, you know, that's the yes. way we work. We mirror each other's emotions right. when we're in close proximity. So it's like, it's amplified by two people. Great stuff. Right? Let, let's take our final break and we'll come back with the unfortunate last segment with the great Michael Seeley. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. Ever heard of accelerated learning techniques? What if you learn more deeply than ever before? What if you remembered what you learned far better than ever before? Visit www.perficio.io. That's perficio.io, where you can understand perhaps better than ever before. You are listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza. And we're having, I got to say, I am thoroughly delighted with this conversation with michael he michael seeley uh this has been so and i mean so sincerely a very very enjoyable conversation it's such a delight likewise. for me thank you sir yeah thank you likewise i'm enjoying it okay i'm going to change it up for the, for the i have two final questions i'm going to change it up with this one uh tell me about being a competitive competitive cyclist and what can those who are not cyclists get from it Mm. Yeah, that's that's a good one. So for me, I I've, lately I've been thinking about it as like an art form, kind of like mm. the way that um, an artist has to do art or like 
somebody who literally loves their profession has kind of just has to do it. For me, when I was really racing competitively, this is a, you know, a while back, I don't do it anymore competitively. I just do it for fun. Uh, but there was this thing of like, almost I had to do it. Like it was this just thing that just felt so, I mean, maybe it was an addiction. I don't know, but it was, <laughs> there's worse addictions than, than exercise, yeah, right? Um, yeah, it just, it, it lit me up and it made me feel, just made me feel alive. It made me feel in the zone. That feeling you've heard this and, you know, sports psychology in the zone. And you know, you, you get in the zone, like this, in this conversation we've had, we've been in the Certainly. zone. Right? So for me, it was just that, that feeling of just being in the zone. I was talented. I, you know, like everything just, it ticked all the boxes. Um, so I think, you know, for folks who are maybe don't want to do something as, as crazy as competitive cycling or whatever, uh, what is that thing in your life that lights you up? Um, that where you do feel in the zone it could be bowling, it could be bird watching, it could be anything, honestly. But it's personal for you, where you're you're doing it, you feel alive, you lose track of time, you're in the zone, you want to tell other people about it. Everyone, I think, has that. Or if they don't, they can discover it. There's plenty of cool stuff, you know, to discover. So that's the you know, that's the takeaway from that with um, competitive cycling for me is like I finding that that particular activity where you're in the zone. And, and to me, that's just one of the best parts about being human is that when you're, when you're just clicking uh, with your, your sport, or your activity, or if you're in a band or whatever, like, it's just like, it's magic when, when you're flowing, you know? It's just a delight. You yeah. know, it's just a delight. You know, there's like, there, are, there are no complaints. Yeah. Uh, there's this, this is the way things yeah. should be. It's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Great stuff. My final question. What's the difference between coaching athletes and non-athletes? Mm. At least from your perspective. Yeah, yeah. So athletes, sports, I mean, sports is tough, man. Like you got to. Boy, you know, we have 0.01 seconds is the difference between being the winner and the runner up. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that athletes can be very, very hard on themselves. Yeah, no doubt. To the point where they're suffering in silence and the outside world thinks that they got it all together because they're so damn good at being tough on themselves about of really wanting to improve. And I think that's a great skill to have, but it's like kerosene. You got to be really careful with it so that if non-athletes aren't dealing with that inner discipline as much, that kind of kerosene, but the athletes, if they're not careful, they can be, so self-critical it can lead to depression anxiety all kinds of stuff so that's the main difference i see is that that self-criticism which in, in a way is good because you're able to improve you're able to improve your results but you got to you have to be the master of it it can't be the master of you you know so is it to say is it fair to say that they, they hold such a high standard for themselves that when they don't think that they are keeping it maintaining it or reaching it they let themselves have it. Yeah, it's it's like we we're talking about earlier. If they have a result or a you know that they're not happy with, if they lose a race or if the the team loses, they think that feeling is going to last forever. Ah, and ah. and they project in the future like, oh, what if you know I never win again, right? And it's just this this kind of trip they got going on in their head. Um, they they can really just start beating themselves up psychologically. And so you know when I work with athletes, I 
I have them focus on growth, almost like, like, a, like a chart. If you think about the ups and downs, as long as it's going up, as long as their sort of mission and their sport is, is personal growth, athletic growth over the long term, then they're able to see the big picture and they're able to see like a loss as part of the process of growth. It's not to rationalize losing, it's just being real. It's like, hey, you can focus on being miserable about you know, your performance, or you could just learn, take lessons, move on and be kind to yourself, you know? Absolutely. You know, sometimes it, I just, you know, when I get a little hard on myself, I can just say, I'm in a process. You can call it life. All right. Yeah. It began at birth. It'll end at death. Uh, and it's one giant process and it's filled with infinite sub processes. So I can just scope out until I feel good. <laughs> That's it, man. Perspective. Perspective. That's great. Michael, I got to say this totally sincerely. This has been one of the most enjoyable conversations I've had on this podcast. It's really, I mean, besides having a great rapport with you, I think that our conversation was so organic and filled with such insight from both of us and value for the listener. It was, it was truly delightful. Thank you so much for coming on. And I really appreciate it. Thanks, Tony. You know, I feel the same. I think definitely clicking here or, or... I've given a lot of good value to you, to your listeners. I, I think it started off, I think we hit hit it off right when we both liked the Ramones before. The- <laughs> that was in the pre-interview discussion, uh, yeah. folks. We yeah. talked about the Ramones. How can someone find you online? Tell, tell, tell us about your websites. Yeah, so easiest way to do it is just Google my name. It's pretty unique. So my, my first name is Michael. Last name is Seeley. That's spelled C-E-E-L-Y. And all my stuff will come up, my social media. You see my coaching and my psychotherapy. Yeah. And we'll set up a profile uh, on the website. We'll have all your websites and all your social media on there too. Michael, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, Really, it's been a wonderful conversation. And remember everyone, we're all responsible for ourselves and we could all use a little help. With that, thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. Remember to visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Self-Help Coaching Podcast.